On the Sufi path, you have to have self-discipline, according to their last reading. So, uh, I'm going to read uh, letter 83 and the 100 letters of Maneri, Curbing the Lower Soul. So we're going to get some curbing. You know what curbing is. Mm -hmm. Curb our lower soul. In the name of God, the merciful, the compassionate, brother, some student, God grant you a high position among the pious. So, he prays that God grant you a high position among the pious. God's nature... Yeah. God's nature is refractory. Man's nature is refractory. I said God's was. What is refractory? Refractory is something how mm. it reflects into the water in a substance that uh, okay. refracts it a little All bit. All right. Alexa, what's the definition of refractory? As an adjective, refractory is usually defined as hard or impossible to manage, stubbornly disobedient. Mm. As a noun, refractory is usually defined as a material having the ability to retain its physical shape and chemical identity when subjected to high temperatures. For more, ask me to give you more definitions. That first definition was interesting. Interesting. Alexa, what's what's the definition again of the word refractory? This might answer your question. As an adjective, refractory is usually defined as hard or impossible to manage, stubbornly disobedient. Look at this man's ask me to give you more definitions for refractory. Well, I guess we kinda know this man's nature is refractory. Huh? Or our own nature. When you like you have a pencil inside the water, you see the refraction oh. reflection it is Man's nature is, it's hard to manage. But, well, it's, uh, dear, it's hard to control yourself. <laughs> but refractory, it seems it's like explosive in a way. It is a mixture of bad qualities and unbecoming behavior. It has come down to us in verses of the Quran and, tra and tradition that when the effects of bad behavior which are the fruit of the domination of the lower soul, gain the ascendance over the states of a man, he falls into much loss and disappointment. He remains far from the light of faith and at a distance from the divine threshold, for the lower soul is the enemy of the heart and the opposite of the faith. It is always preoccupied with its own advantage. Now we can see how we could get our own advantage. Uh -huh. How can I get my own advantage? Mm -hmm. I'm looking out for my own advantage. <laughs> mm -hmm. Never is it inclined to follow the law. The calamity of the lower soul strikes more lethally and swiftly than an infidel and more frequently than the deception of Satan and his cunning. For a man's soul is in its cell inside his own shirt. Interesting that he has to take the blame for the things himself. Mm -hmm. Hence it has been said that the worst enemies and the most difficult calamities are those of the lower soul. Similarly, it is extremely difficult to treat it. This is all the more true since it is an 
internal enemy. Look what effort is required to drive out a thief who lives in the house itself. Moreover, this enemy is loved by man, and man has become blind to the faults of his own beloved. He considers anything wicked in his lower soul to be praiseworthy. <clears throat> Since such is the state of affairs, it does not take long for man's lower soul to hurl himself into disgrace and destruction, and yet he is completely unaware of what is transpiring. O oh, brother, if you consider the matter closely, the root of all the discord, infam infamy, baseness, destruction, sin, and calamity with which mankind is afflicted from the very origin of creation <clears throat> until the day of resurrection is the lower soul. He keeps having this concept. Whatever falls, what he talked about, because that's what psychology is trying to tell We have not. Big problems are like what Maria We don't encounter often the concept of lower soul, but uh, we do. I suppose you could say it's the the id and Freud or somebody. <laughs> Whatever falls into calamity, <clears throat> whosoever falls into calamity does so because of what her animal soul does, either by itself or in association with others until the day of resurrection. You will not find among the people any discord, wickedness, infamy, or sin that does not owe its origin to man's lower soul and its inordinate desires. Yeah, well, we also have lower souls. Uh -huh. Yeah, maybe our lower souls also. My lower soul has caused all kinds of trouble. My lower If it <coughs> were not so, <coughs> then somebody, everybody, would be happily living happily and peacefully. <laughs> we would be happily and peacefully right now. <coughs> Since it, since it is the enemy of this path, it is necessary for an intelligent man to roust himself from its clutches. It is not possible for anyone to do this all of a sudden. <clears throat> See, you can't do it all of a sudden, as one could deal with other enemies, because it is the very mountain instrument of the seeker. <clears throat> It is difficult to lay it aside suddenly on account of the harm that would result. It is necessary for a disciple to follow the middle way. Now we have the middle way. So, it's like we're like back to Buddhism or something here. Indo-Muslims Indo teachings that teach Buddhism. <coughs> <clears throat> this means that the animal soul should be looked after and nourished with as much as is needed to enable it to do its work. While it should be weakened uh, and kept in check to an extent needed to prevent it from progressing your commands, whatever so does not conform to this rule is wrong. Well, you, even if it was just the body, you need to maintain your body. Uh, I... I do maintenance work when I exercise. <laughs> uh, 
In a tradition, it is related that the Chosen One saw Masud, who had tormented his lower soul with, su with such excessive austerities that he did not have strength enough to move his hands or feet. That's like you starve yourself to death, you can't even move. <laughs> when the Lord of the world saw his condition, he was displeased and said, O oh, Abdullah, your animal soul too has some rights over you. If you intend to destroy it, you will be caught and fall into sin. That's too much asceticism. <clears throat> it has been indicated that the subduing of one's lower soul must be undertaken in an intelligent manner. Lest it be destroyed or gain ascendancy over a person or become refractory. Now refractory means unmanageable. To what extent should I keep it under control? One has to adopt a strategy in the matter. You got to adopt a strategy. You could actually do, adopt a strategy to control your mind. Yeah, you have workarounds. So you, you develop like life hacks. A life hack is a strategy to control your mind. First one has to make it docile enough to bridle it. Those skilled in this matter enumerate these three means by which the animal soul can be tamed. One has to keep it away from all lustful desires and pleasures, just as unruly cattle become docile once they are deprived of fodder. <laughs> Your cattle can get, get, get uh, rousted up when you bring the fodder. A religious scholar has said that the wickedness, ignorance, and rebelliousness of the animal soul is such that when it wishes to sin and gains a free reign, then even if you have the apostle himself as intercessor before God, together with all the other prophets and sacred books and all former pious people, and reminded of death, the grave judgment, paradise, and hell, still in no way would it stop nor would it abandon that sin. When, uh, however, you stop merely lamenting and restrain it, it is checked. The second is to place a heavy load of devotion upon it, just as an ass, when it has a heavy load upon its back, becomes docile. So, too, will the lower soul, especially when its fodder has also been reduced. The third is to beg for help from Almighty God and fly to Him for protection. Otherwise, there is no escape from His wickedness. When you show some accomplishment in having these three approaches, your animal soul will change from revolting against you to being obedient to you. <laughs> I think if you meditate... Look what I've well, oh, it's kind of embedded here in the writing here. It's a balance, probably. She said the middle way, in a way. You don't go to extreme asceticism and you don't do... No, no, can you read the last paragraph? The last paragraph. That's a long one, huh?
<sighs> really? The whole paragraph? In the tradition, it is related that the chosen one saw Masad, who was tormented his lower soul with such excessive austerities that he did not have strength even to move his hands or his feet. When the Lord of the world saw his condition, he was displeased and said, O oh, Abdullah, your animal soul too has some rights over you. If you intend to destroy it, you will be caught and fall into sin. It has been indicated that the subduing of one's lower soul must be undertaken in an intelligent manner, at least to be destroyed or gain a sin to see over the person and become refractory. Well, you know, if you... If you... To what extent should I keep it under control? One has to adopt a strategy in the matter. First, one has to make it docile enough to bridle it. Those skilled in this matter enumerate three means by which the animal soul can be tamed. Number one is to keep it away from all lustful desires and pleasures, just as unruly cattle become docile once they are deprived of fodder. A religious scholar has said that the wickedness and ignorance and rebelliousness of the animal soul is such that when it wishes to sin and gains a free reign, then even if you have the apostle himself as an intercessor before God, together with all the other prophets and sacred books and other all former pious people reminded of death in the grave and judgment, paradise and hell. Still, and in no way would it stop, nor would it abandon that sin. When, however, you stop merely lamenting and restrain it, it is checked. The second, now that was one, the second is to place a heavy load of devotion upon it. Just as an ass, when it has heavy work load upon its back, becomes docile, so too will the lower soul, especially when its fodder has been also been reduced. <laughs> fodder has been reduced. Fodder, food. The third is to beg for help. Okay, the, the three of them. One was take it away from lustful desires. Two was give it a lot of work. And three was pray to God. Okay? I guess it was was take away from desires or lust. Two was work. Just work. Put a load on it. Make it... It's sort of like the mind. Like if you keep the mind busy, you either take it away from lust or you make it go to work, or you pray to God. It's not that different than our understanding of uh, other other religions. The Muslim, the Islam is not turning out to be much different than Buddhism or Christianity or anything else. When it comes to the life hacks and managing the mind, <laughs> Life hacking with the Zen masters that do the same stuff. Well, it is in this state, hurry up and push the bridal godly fear upon your head, and you will gain peace from its wickedness. If you say, What is this godly fear so that I might utilize it to curb my lower soul? Realize that it is an immense treasure. And a vast grant of land wherein are gathered all the things from this world and the next, something really special has been put here 
and it is godly fear. <clears throat> yeah, godly fear will keep you out of trouble. <laughs> My mind is in, under control, out of fear. I'm afraid of coronavirus. If I eat, if I eat, like if I fail to get vitamin D and the sun, or I eat sugar, I could get coronavirus and die. <laughs> so I'm afraid. Hmm. If I eat any sugar, if I mix with anybody but the pious, if I endure coronavirus, the only people you can mix with are the pious. Hmm. Hmm. Kutada said, in the Torah, it has been written, <clears throat> O sons of Adam, fear God and sleep peacefully wherever you wish. This quality applies to all good things. It suffices for all matters of importance. It will carry a servant to every possible rank and favor. It is such an indispensable foundation that no one can be a disciple without it. For the present, know that in the Quranic commentary of Iman Zahid, it is mentioned that godly fear is of two kinds, one the root and the other its branch. The root is abstinence from infidelity, and by accepting the faith, its branch means abstinence from sin. By the practice of submission, the sheikhs have said that there are three stages in godly fear. The first is to fear of associating anything with God. The next is fear of heresy, while the third is fear of sin. <clears throat> godly fear implies abstinence from everything that you fear might be harmful to your faith. Do you? You're supposed to not do anything that takes you away from God. So, do you not see that a sick person who abstains is called abstemious? For he abstains from all that harms him, whether it be food, drink, or fruits, and so on. Abstemious. 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 <clears throat> so, what's the definition of abstemious? The adjective abstemious is usually defined as sparing or moderate in eating and drinking, temperate in diet. For more, ask me to give you more definitions for abstemious. Abstemious. Hmm. Hmm. Two things, as far as faith is concerned, have to be feared on account of the damage they can do. One is, uh, one is what is simply forbidden and sinful, while the other is over and overabundance of awful things. For it is frequently happened said, an overabundance of awful things draws a man to what is forbidden and sinful. Everyone who wants to remain free from any damage to his faith simply abstains from what is unlawful and sinful and protects himself from an overabundance of awful things. Mature and complete fear of God applies abstinence from all that would harm the faith. In other words, both sin and an abundance, overabundance of awful things. There is no room for negligence in this task where opportunity is itself with gratuitous booty. Gratuitous booty. It is... <clears throat> also possible that you may seek but not find. Christ Jesus said the world consists of three days. 
The first is the day that has passed. You can expect nothing from it now. As for tomorrow, you do not even know if you will survive until it comes. They, you are now in the third day. Do not expect anything more than that. Abu Zar said that there are no more than three hours in the world and one that has passed from which nothing can be expected the coming hour. But, well, you see it. The third hour is the one in which you are living. So your life is but one hour. But your life is an hour. And a renowned investigator of truth said that the world consists of three breaths, the irredeemable past, the uncertain future, and the one you are now drawing. <clears throat> you are not the master of a single day, hour, or breath. It is fitting to expand this breath in repentance and submission. Do not be anxious about your support. Perhaps you will be dead and buried by the time real need arises. <clears throat> It would be ruinous if a man were to fret over what was happening any particular day or hour when he was destined to die at his next breath. Remember also what the Apostle said concerning Usama. Usama has too much hope, for he delayed for a whole month in buying a slave girl. By God, when I have completed one step, I am uncertain whether I shall take another or not. I do not even know if I shall swallow the morsel I have picked up. A disciple should show himself to be assiduous in reflecting night and day over what has happened. Certainly this hope will become more sober. He will see his own animal soul and swiftly submit, repent, treat the world with indifference and become wholly occupied with getting ready for death. And that's why I say... During coronavirus, we only hang out with the pious. Hmm. Hmm. We read letter 83, Curbing the Lower Soul, where we learn the words refractory and abstemious. And we learned life hacks on how to control the mind by eliminating desire and by working it to death and by praying. <laughs> and your, your life is but an hour. That's it. <laughs>